Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. I don't know about you, but we love mystery stories. That's why the Upside Down Story is one of our favorite podcasts. It turns a tale flipsy-flopsy upside-downsy so that you need to listen to the clues to figure out who the mystery storyteller is. Search for the Upside Down Story on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tanya Infinity, and this is my best friend, Gertie. Hello! Gertie is a Galapagos tortoise. They're the oldest living land animal on the planet. That's right. I'm 186 years young. And I'm eight years old. Thanks to Gertie's special time-traveling show, we can go to any time in the world. Together, we travel to the past and visit musicians throughout history. Who knows where we'll go today? Time-traveling Tanya and her best friend, Gertie. Learning all about the past on a tortoise shell that moves so fast. Who knows where we will go today? Could be anywhere or any day. History is right here with us with time-traveling Tanya and Gertie! Bart, there ain't enough room for the both of us. Hey, Tanya. Ah! You about scared me straight out of my boots, Gertie. What you doing? Letting this varmin know he ain't welcome here. <laughs> oh, you heard her, boy. Best get a wiggle on it. You don't want to mess with Calamity Tanya. She'll toss you straight in the Crowbar Hotel. Now get. Yeah, get. I'm sorry, Tootin' Bart. You know I love you and I'd never toss you in a Crowbar Hotel. Whatever that is. Speaking of, I have a doggone good idea for today's time-traveling adventure. What do you say about us meeting the cowboy who helped record companies see that country music could be popular? I say giddy up. Let's go. Then hop on the old saddle and buckle up. Time to meet Vernon Dalhart. Yeehaw! What in tarnation? This ain't no rodeo. We're at a... opera? We sure are. Welcome to 1913. We're at a New York performance of the famous opera, Madame Butterfly. Well, I'm severely underdressed. Gertie, what's going on? I thought we were meeting a country music singer. We are. That's why we're here backstage. I want you to meet one of the stars of the show. Vernon Dalhart, meet Tanya Infinity. Well, hello, young lady. Nice to meet you, Vernon. Am I supposed to bow or something? I, I've never met a real opera singer before. <laughs> Gosh, no. I'm just a guy. A guy who's going to make a huge difference for country music. Again, I'm very confused about why we're at the opera. Let me start at the beginning. Vernon was born as Marion Ty Slater in 1883 in Jefferson, Texas. When I was only 10 days old, Mother, having accomplished her mission in town, 
climbed aboard a range pony, and carried me up to the home ranch where I grew up. He went to school, took singing lessons, and started playing the harmonica and jaw harp when he was four. He often sang at local events. Then, when I was 13, we moved to Dallas where I studied voice at the Dallas Conservatory of Music, though I, I did spend my summers working as a cow puncher. What? You punched cows? What those cows ever do to you? Were they bullies? Because honestly, it sounds like you were the bully. No, no, a cow puncher just means I herded cattle. The phrase comes from them having to poke the cows to get them into the corral. Oh, I see. In 1901, Vernon married a woman named Sadie Lee Moore Livingston. They had one son and a daughter. Then, encouraged by his teachers at the conservatory, in 1908, he moved his family to New York. We got ourselves an apartment in the Bronx, and I worked in a piano warehouse, also as a church soloist, but my big goal... Was to be a country music star? Nope. I always wanted to be an opera singer. I got the training and a great voice for it. Within two years, he was performing with multiple New York opera companies. Gave myself a stage name based after two towns in Texas, Vernon and Dahlhart. The opera is what led to his big break. Well, kind of. It led to meeting the man who will lead to his big break. Mr. Thomas Alva Edison. You know who that is? Of course I know who Thomas Edison is. He invented the light bulb. He invented a whole lot more than that. Thousands of inventions. Cement, the telegraph, the movie camera. Plus he's a smart businessman. He invented the phonograph. An old-fashioned record player. And started his own music company, Edison Records, one of the earliest record labels. After seeing an advertisement in the newspaper for opera singers, Vernon got to audition for Thomas Edison himself. I sang right into his ear horn. That's a trumpet-shaped instrument to put in your ear to make the sound louder. Edison went almost completely deaf when he was 12, probably from scarlet fever. Edison said he liked my voice because he could understand every word I sang, and I got the part. I'm the tenor, the high male voice in two operas, Madame Butterfly and HMS Pinafore. So that's why we're here. Congratulations! Even more exciting? Since I passed the audition, I convinced Edison to give me a chance to record for his record label. I've been trying for seven years to record with him. Finally, it's happening. They made a test recording, but two more years passed before he worked with Edison again. And by then, he'll start recording for other companies. From 1916 to 1923, Vernon will make over 400 records. Everything from light classical and pop tunes to dance band vocals. He did a bit of everything and practically under every name. I record under a lot of names. Frank Evans, Toby Little, Bob White, Hugh Latimer. Should I go on? Sid Turner, Al Craver. Why is that? A lot of record companies have their artists do this. Yeah, probably so they can stop us from becoming too well-known and asking for more money. He'll use hundreds, yes, hundreds of names. Sometimes record companies will use a different name without even telling him. That way they can sell one album for 75 cents and another for only 25 cents. I just have two names, Tanya Infinity and Calamity Tanya. Huh, maybe I need another name. Oh, time for me to go take my bow. I'll be back quicker than you can say curtain call. Come on, Tanya, let's wait for Vernon in the dressing room. considered bad luck to whistle backstage. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. 
See, the backstage crew is often made up of off-duty sailors who use their sail rigging skills for the sets and curtains. They use coded whistles to communicate to each other during the show. If an actor is whistling a tune, it could get confusing and dangerous. No problem. I'll just play with this mirror instead. No! If you break it, that'll be seven years of bad luck. All right, I am terrified to do anything back here. Now, where were we? Thank goodness. We were talking about all the singles you recorded. Oh, it's true. I'll record more songs for Edison. Over 200 of them. Then, after their contract expires in 1919, Vernon will record over 5,000 more singles for a bunch of other record companies. 5,000? Ugh, I'm exhausted just hearing that. <laughs> the point is, I'll be an established singer way before I make my first country recording. Oh, yeah! We're finally getting to the cowboy part. I plum forgot. Here, I thought you were just feeding me tardiddles. That means made-up stories. In 1924, Vernon will go back to Edison and talk him into letting him record a song he'd heard called The Wreck of the Old 97. Sounds like it'll do well with my home accent. After all, I am from Texas. Two men, G.B. Grayson and Henry Witter, wrote the song when they read in the newspaper about a railroad train in Virginia that crashed and killed 11 people in 1903. And The Wreck of the Old 97 will do pretty well. Then he'll go to Victor Talking Machine Company. Well, they're a much bigger record label. The Victor label will let Vernon record the song for them, too. But they'll need something good for the other side of the record. That's what we call the B-side of a record. Hmm. Wait, what was that tune my cousin's always singing? Oh, the Prisoner's Song. Vernon will go back to his roots when his cousin, Guy Macy, was staying with him. Guy said he'd heard the song from his brother who spent time in prison. I mean, let's be honest, it's probably an old folk song they sang in jail. But I'll simply rearrange it a bit and make it my own. Oh, I get it now. That's what a crowbar hotel is. A jail! That's right. In 1926, the Prisoner's Song will become a number one hit for 12 weeks and go on to sell 7 million copies. It'll be the first Southern song to become a national success. Those record companies will see that country music can be big. Huge. It'll redirect the course of my career. Oh, I wish I had someone to love me Someone to call me their own So how are you able to change your voice from your opera singing to that twang? The twang? Well, when you're born and brought up in the South, your only trouble is to talk any other way. For the next nine years, Vernon will devote himself to what they call hillbilly songs, or music of the people. As one magazine will write, Dalhart had the peculiar ability to adapt hillbilly music to suit the taste of the non-hillbilly population. He was a professional substitute for a real hillbilly. Who'd have thunk it? An opera singer becoming a country music star. Say, this gives me a song idea. I do beg your pardon, sir, but I think it's time for us to head back to the now. Well, sure thing, little lady. I gotta take all this stage makeup off anyway. Well, come on, you little rascal. Hop back on my shell and buckle up. Bye, Mr. Delhart. Or do you prefer one of your other million names? Well, you can just call me Vernon. Bye, Gertie. Bye there, Calamity Tanya. I'm so glad you enjoyed meeting Vernon Delhart. By the way, what's your big song idea? I'm writing an opera about a cowboy star in Tootin' Bart. 
He's a cowboy, a rootin' cowboy, a rootin' tootin' cowboy. And I'd fly to the arms of my poor darling, and there I'd be willing to die. Bernard Dahlhardt was one of the most productive artists of the early recording industry. He could sing any style and happened to stumble upon a career of hillbilly songs. Though he made a lot of money and purchased a large estate, he lost most of it in the stock crash of 1929. His music career ended with the Great Depression. The Prisoner's Song was the biggest selling non-holiday record for the first 70 years of recorded music. It was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1998. And Vernon was elected into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame and into the Country Music Hall of Fame. The Country Music Foundation called Vernon Dahlhart a one-man recording industry. After all, he recorded over 1,600 songs between 1916 and 1939 for almost every record company in the United States. Whew, I'm exhausted just hearing that. Go, kid, go. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.